This is iDeveloper, episode 153, take four. <laughs> Scotty, how many highly trained software engineers does it take to get out a single podcast episode? I have no idea, never having achieved a, a, a podcast with some highly trained podcast engineers. Yeah, no, I guess not. But uh, it's nice to finally uh, have you uh, within a couple of zip codes, but not so close that we have to worry about the audio being being all off. Uh, no, I... Because we have to share a microphone and you're offended by me. Yeah, I think we're about 40 miles apart at the moment and on the same same time zone, which is which is really good because normally we record at, um, for my time, it's about 5.30 a.m. in the morning. Um and even though I'm a reasonably hardened person, I find drinking beer at 5.30 a.m. a little challenging. Unless I'm still drinking it from the night before, that's fine. Uh, so, I'd, But getting up in the morning and grabbing a beer. So actually, for the first time in a long time, I'm recording this podcast with a beer. Um, and you, of course. You both are important to the show. Um, I thought you were <laughs> going to say this is the first time that you're recording the podcast sober. But... <laughs> I think... I think it would have helped, but uh, th- this is our fourth <laughs> attempt. I said, yeah, because we did record one, because um, I don't think we put a show out for about eight or nine weeks now, um, and we'll talk maybe a little bit why in, 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 a, in, a, in a little bit, but um, we did record one maybe about four weeks ago um, that we recorded in your in your house when I was over to see you, and um, yeah, the audio just didn't come out. I said you were sharing a microphone, but I'm still convinced it's because you weren't wearing pants. I think it's the fact that I wasn't wearing pants. You were, you know, as far away as you could reasonably be and still be considered to be in the same room as me. And as a result, your the signal from you was too weak. Uh, I just think it was the sort of um, your body was giving off some sort of a distortion. Just that, that normally mm. you wear shielded pants. I think uh, that's the, <laughs> the thing here. Uh, the secret of lead trousers is now out. All right, but and then and then last one, I will fall on my own sword of stupidity. I forgot to press record. You did. You didn't realize what that big red button in the middle of the software was for. No, I did. It's just that it was. It, I had to make sure that not only did I press record, but I pressed record a second time so that the the numbers actually increment. One is get ready for a record, and the other one is actually record. Yes, you know. I wonder who designed that UI. It's because you know that's I some big press of clearly, a button, and and it should just go. Clearly, somebody who hates. <laughs> highly trained software engineers <laughs> and you yes <laughs> and me <laughs> and then our third attempt was about five minutes ago when um yeah i'm working i'm recording on a different uh, laptop to what i would normally use and i realized i was uh i had the trial edition of um uh, audio hijack uh running um and i suddenly had this feeling it you know maybe the trial edition will cut out at 30 seconds or start adding beeps or something to it. So we had to stop so I could type the uh, my license key in. Uh, and, and so here we are now at uh, episode 153, take four. And I think based on um, recent events, it should, uh, well, other than you know, maybe being called, you know, John Wears Audio Interference Pants or something, um, it should be called maybe Hello Again. Yeah, well, here's what I'm going to suggest. Let's try and and uh, uh, offer some useful nuggets of device uh, of advice. Device, is, uh, 
yes, of, of device. <laughs> no, some, some hopefully useful nuggets of wisdom that I attained a couple of weeks ago that I, I tried to share in my ill-fated attempt at recording a podcast with you, which had to do with testing for, for uh, certain network conditions. Can we talk about that a little bit before we go on to other things? Yeah, why not? Let, let's give some software talk. Okay, so uh, I traveled to North Carolina a couple of weeks ago, and during that time, I spent a, a more time in airports than one should want to, to ever spend time in. Um, and as a result, I was using a lot of these kind of free uh, Wi-Fi accounts that you see in airports where you have open Wi-Fi connections, but at which in the absence of a known network, your devices will, will typically join, and uh, but that don't actually route traffic to the internet unless you um, sign up to some web page, right? And uh, and so it's a weird case where if you use the reachability APIs and you say, hi, am I connected uh, on cell or am I connected on Wi-Fi? It will say, well, you're connected on Wi-Fi, but that in itself is, is not enough test. You have to actually do something where uh, you try to route some, some data to some server. It can be any server that you care for. It'd either be the server that you talk to normally or just you know any server that you think has a reasonable chance of being up. But even that may not be enough because these crafty networks, what they will do is they will you know accept your request, but then they will return a response that's not exactly what you're looking for. So typically for an app, you may say, hi, I'm going to make a, a request and set the, 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 the accept data type to, uh, uh, to JSON, and then you'll come back and you'll get a response that would typically be HTML because it's a form saying, hi, give us all your information and we'll let you on the internet for an hour, right? And so uh, I had to, to, to kind of track this down because, and the reason why I wanted to is because uh, the app I was uh, working on did not handle the situation well at all. It just basically, you know, uh, tried to, to do its thing and then just had it gave you a very generic error saying, hey, we couldn't, you know, we couldn't reach the server, but that's not enough. Uh, apps like Facebook uh, Messenger are much better because they have a nice little status label at the top that says very specifically that, you know, uh, network requires login, open your browser, right? And so I kept thinking, well, how did they do that? So I first thing I had to do is to try and find a network that, that, replicated these conditions and then look very, very carefully at the request, how they work in the real world and how it compares to Apple's documentation. Because uh, deep in the bowels of NS Earl connection or NS Earl session, there's delicate methods that you can you can um, implement, which will tell you, are you having things like a, a network challenge? And I actually looked at one of the, the uh, uh, constants for the type of challenges you get, and you have things like you know, uh, you know, you're at being asked for a login. They'll tell you what type of of of, of login request is made, or they'll say you know that your server, uh, sorry, your your uh, uh, you know security certificate, your SSL certificate uh, may be questionable, and and you can respond to them. And I saw one constant which says uh, looking for authentication of type HTML. I thought, oh great, all I need to do is look for that. That in fact is not what the what the case is. In this particular case, these types of of guest networks will will simply reroute your request. So you make a request to one server and they'll rewrite your request to, to some other IP address, some other host name, and they'll give you a response that's different. So the heuristic has to be something like, you know, you got a, a successful response, but the MIME data type is different and uh, and possibly or likely the, the you know, the host name uh, uh, that's giving the response is not the one where you made that request. And if all those things are true, then you can, you know, pretty, pretty safely say, yep, you're on one of these types of networks and and signal that to the user. 
So it, it took a bit of doing, it took a bit of sleuthing, but it just reminded me that, you know, uh, you're building mobile apps and people all the time are going through conditions where, uh, you know, the, the, you seem to be connected to a network, but you really aren't. And you need to be very specific about what you tell the users. Because if you just tell them, hey, you're not connected to the internet, they'll say, what do you mean I'm not connected? You know, I, I see four full bars of Wi-Fi or, you know, for that matter, you can have four four bars of, of, of cell network, but... You know, just because you're connected to a cell tower doesn't mean you're getting traffic across. And that's a different condition. But there's there's really just no substitute to taking your app out in the real world, trying to, to figure out what these conditions are, and then doing your best job that you possibly can to, to, to tell the user how to solve the problem. Um, so I think I'll leave in the show notes some, some links to some of the documentation about that. And uh, if anybody is interested in getting more details about that, you know, by all means, uh, contact us and let us know, and I'll be happy to share some of the knowledge I've obtained. Um, so that was my little bit of, of useful information. I have something I, else. I, 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 no, before about. you do that, let's let me let me. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I take back everything I said earlier about you not being a professional software developer and all this sort of stuff, because you know the reality is, you know, there are a a massive percentage of the apps in the app store um, that don't even handle you know when there is no network they don't even use the normal um uh, apis to detect if there is a connection or not a connection the reachability stuff and 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 deal with that so the fact that you know you're way beyond that you're trying to detect what type of condition the wi-fi is in and if things are intruding and the airport stuff you know that you know that's above and beyond the call of duty well done john i i you know that's good on you thank you all right, so uh, there's something else that's newsy that I wanted to talk about, and that is the the passing way too early of a fellow named Keith Ulfs, um, who is certainly very very well known to to people who were around during the the era of the next you know the next computer, the next app operating system, the the company known as Next. Uh, he was the uh, the the really the UX designer and, and UI designer of of Next Step, and was responsible for you know, a bunch of, of, of certainly all the icons and the visual look of it, but also a lot of the user experience that went into Next Step, which still goes on to this day. Like, for instance, when you type in your login and password and and the form shakes no when, when uh, you know, the, the login is failure, that dates back, to, that's his work. Uh, if you look at, there's an app called Grab, which is an original uh, screen grabbing application, um, that that is an app that he wrote and uh, it has a little kind of uh, easter egg thing that when you grab a, a, a section of the screen as you move the mouse around it has these eyes that that track the the motion so it's kind of watching you um and he he his 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 visual design was it was at least a decade you could arguably say two decades and that some of the things are still in use today um, and so he, he worked at, at, at Next doing that. He went off and, and did web TV. He did a bunch of things. He, he made, uh, I think, honestly, the, the very first uh, graphical, super intense graphical uh, web application. He, he, he took this application that he had written for Next called Icon, which was a tool he had actually programmed himself for doing the compositing and uh, that work that was done to make his very, very clever icons way back when. It was a sample app. He took all the, the postscript tricks that, that that were made possible by Next Step, uh, and he actually put it on a, on a back end uh, fronted by a, 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 you know, a rather sophisticated web front end, sophisticated especially given the state of, of web technology. So he's, he's been around for a while. 
Um, he's you know not that much older than than we are. I, I met him a couple times. Super sweet, super nice guy, super talented. You know, remembered by lots of people not only for the work he did, but those who actually worked with him. Remember what a you know a kind fellow he was with no attitude. And uh, he died of a heart attack. Uh, it, it just and it, it it makes me sad just because he was such a nice guy, but also the 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 work and legacy be left behind. But uh, there's a link I will put in the show notes, uh, which is on behalf of his family. Um, and I'll, I will share that with him for people to who some people some of our listeners I'm sure will will know him. And I think I think almost anybody who's interested in in the in the field that we are who follows Apple and, and cares about visual design should know him. Um, and I think we'll be interested to to read this link. So uh, shout out to Keith Olfs, rest in peace. It's uh, yeah, completely. It's uh, it's amazing if you just go and look up some of the the next step sort of uh, images that you can find if you just Google. Uh, that stuff, you know, yes, it looks dated when you look at it now. But if you compare it to anything else that was around at the time, um, it it was just absolutely miles ahead. But equally, it's it's not, you know, it looks dated because you know, I, I fired up, um, uh, was it Lion or Mountain Lion, ten point eight, ten point seven, and ten point eight recently. I just fired them up in a VM. Yeah, and they're only a few years old, and they look really dated already. So, you know, the fact that something looks dated, you know, thirty years on is not surprising. But as you said, it's the, it's those nuances. It's it's the the UI interactions, the, like the shaky thing on 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 the password. Those sort of things, you know, that is, that are endured till today are just a sign of of, of inc- you know, it, that wasn't about um, just the graphical capabilities or anything else. That was about understanding the whole purpose of UI and what it's trying to communicate. And um, you know, so you know, the, the, those many of those in that generation, but particularly the people from Next, I think you know, as Mac users, we. Yeah, we we really need to honour, and and I think that the trouble is with companies that are that are fronted by superstars, uh, like Steve Jobs was, um, and I, I guess you know now there are more superstars, and yeah, we, we would list off the Tim Cooks and the Craig Federikis, uh, and the Phil Schiller, and maybe even the Johnny Ives and whatever else, but actually, you know, a lot of this core work is going on by a bunch of people whose names, yeah, we know, or they get mentioned, or or maybe we don't know. But there's just some real things that are going on in, in talent in there that we do need to honour and recognise. Yeah, and I'm just wondering, you know, who are those people going to be in another 40 years' time? What work is somebody doing now that is going to still be relevant in 40 years' time? It, it's you know, it's quite exciting, really, and, and quite challenging to think of people who who are making that much difference to the industry is is um, some of these people from around that time did. Indeed, indeed. The last thing I'll say about it, that he was also of a particular rare breed that, that there are precious few people who have both design skills and coding skills. Um, and, and he said that, you know, that he didn't consider himself, you know, a, a brilliant engineer and that his stuff was, was sloppy and that, you know, the sample app icon that was included with it, it's like it barely worked by his own admission and it did. Um, but it, it, it was it was a case where he had a very, very clear idea in his mind about what the tools needed to do and why they needed to do what they were wanting to do in service of, of some level of whimsy or, or humanity to, to, to computer uh, interfaces. And, and that, that is truly, truly a rare beat. I, I don't think I can even count on, on one hand with a, a number of fingers removed, the number of people, I think, who, who had his type of, of, of 
skills across engineering and design. But we should we should we should honor and we should also move forward. Okay, so let's let's talk about moving forward. Um, at the beginning, I said you know, hello again. Um, now, about a week ago, I thought it was a week ago today, uh, from when we were recording, there was the um, MacBook Pro. Well, there was the Apple event that also spoke about the Apple TV, and um, uh, it spoke about something else. Anyway, all all padding and fluff and filler, as far as I was concerned. And you know, the MacBook Pros were the the key to the events. Um, there has been so much stuff going on about these on the interweb since then, um, slightly over the top. Um, so, well, let's start with a simple question: You going to get a new one? Uh, I well, I think I am for work, um, and uh, you know, I think f- from from sheer performance thing, yeah, I notice it. You know, uh, I uh, you know. <laughs> When you get Xcode going and uh, you have you know the indexing and a bunch of stuff, it's it's easy to have your CPUs pegged, and it's also easy to 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 run up against the limits of of of, of RAM. You know, would a new machine that's that has the specs there make a difference in my life? Yeah, but I don't think I don't think that necessarily that's the that's the you know the the productivity the biggest productivity you know halt that I I have. I think there are other things that aren't necessarily um, machine related. Oh, it's your software skills. But no, I mean, I, I think that, yes, one always wants faster machines, but I, I honestly don't think that that's a huge thing. Others people would absolutely have different things to say. I mean, there's absolutely certain types of, of super graphics intensive program that I don't do um, that where, you know, the the current hardware certainly is a, a handicap. I think that 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 the, the machines seem fast enough. I think it's going to be very, very interesting to see what people say when they actually have a chance to, to use the machines. I found it kind of interesting that Apple said, you know, we've received more orders online for this than, than either we ever had before or that we ever expected, whatever. I think that they were trying to say, you know, the people who are getting wrapped around the axle um, represent a, a small minority. And in fact, people are, are ordering them like crazy and, and we'll see what happens. But I, I think I've said this before. I, I, um, uh, I find myself less and less uh, scandalized and, and interested and follow this thing. You know, my 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 son and his friends ask in minute detail about these things, and I, I try not to 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 reveal my my absolute disinterest <laughs> in these things. Yeah, I mean, uh, okay, let me. I'll give my two two penny worth, and then we'll move on because I don't think it's I don't think it's um, a, a big deal. I think, firstly, I think the Touch Bar looks interesting. I think it's going to have some great uses. Uh, the people I know who have tried it and seen it actually say their experience of using it was better than they expected it to be. So that's a very positive step forward. Um, and I think time will tell whether the touch bar becomes an integral integral part of laptop living or whether it's just um, something that is, you know, a, a, an extra that some people will have and some people won't. So I think that's, you know, uh, and only time will tell on that. I think it's it's, Great that um, thir- third-party developers have full access to it, um, and the API and the documentation was released at the same time. I think that's really cool. So well done to Apple on that. I think one of the reasons Apple are having problems, now, you know, let's talk about the machines of performance. It's an okay laptop when it comes to performance. It's not the top end of everything, um, uh, but it's brought it up to date. Um, I was personally disappointed it didn't have... Um, 
32 you couldn't have a 32 gig of ram option uh, apparently there are technical reasons for that i think it's something to do with um the intel chipset um will only support 32 gig of ram if you use a certain type of memory and that type of memory draws 20% more power or something than the current memory or 30% more power or or whatever and therefore it would shorten the battery life and so they didn't make that call you know those are technical details it's an okay specified laptop um if you you know it's uh i'm currently using for the projects i'm working on now a high-end previous generation uh it's the new ones will be quite a big step up i do notice that this machine i'm currently working is quite slow um because my normal work machine is a um 5k iMac with a 4 gigahertz quad core processor and 32 gig of ram it's the first generation 5k iMac so it's not even the latest processor and it just crushes any laptop um and it i i don't know it'll probably still crush the latest ones because if you really want performance you know go for a desktop and you know if uh, for multi um threaded performance even the really wackily out of date mac pros i think might just about still do it in some areas but anyway let's not go there I think the reason Apple are getting such a big, um, no, let's not put that because that's making too much of a statement. Let me just let me just give a, a hypothesis. If last November or last February, Apple had updated the previous generation of MacBook Pros, you know, not not an event, just one of their normal the website updates, and it's got you know faster processor in it, an upgraded graphics card, slightly faster memory. You know, in, in about a year ago, on the normal release cycle, um, we'd had a we'd had a, a small step in the current one. Um, what would have happened is this laptop that was released today or a week ago would have been like just the next small step, and the Touch Bar would have been seen as this big revelation, and it would have all been cool. The problem was we've waited. Is it two years for a laptop? Um, when a company makes you wait two years for a laptop, the expectations just peak and uh so therefore every little thing that falls short of the expectations they build over two years are going to feel disappointing to people um so really uh, yes people are buying them the price is more expensive but hey you know that's life apple will make money they you know let's remember apple aren't our friends there are nice, you know, lots of nice people work at Apple. Um, they have some lovely ethos, but Apple aren't our friends. They're a, a publicly owned company whose duty it is to make as much money as they can, and they will take every penny they can from every person they can, as long as it doesn't break their ethics, um, to do that. And, you know, so they've put the price up. Of course, in, in, in the UK, we suffer from the dollar-pound crash at the moment as well. So I think, uh, you know, 500 pounds was the difference in price between the old and the new ones, which is a large amount of money. I mean, that is a laptop. And it's, that's, in fact, that's two laptops if you go for Windows laptops in some levels. <laughs> difference in just mm. the price rise. But I think it's a good machine. I think it will do its job. Um, I'm sure people, once they get them, will like them. So the people I know who have them already like the touch bar. Um, and, and, and we'll see. And I think we don't really need to say a lot more about it than that, uh, other than um, it's going to be interesting to see what interesting things people do with the touch bar. Yep. Pro tip, I think every developer out there should put on their LinkedIn profile that they have over five years experiencing programming Apple's touch bar. Yes, that's uh, although if you trust LinkedIn for anything, you're a fool. I mean, someone endorsed me today on LinkedIn for my UI design skills and it was like, have you have you met me? <laughs> 
funny. Yes, it was funny. Um, okay, so uh, uh, one of the reasons we've not recorded um, much recently is mainly my fault. I've been traveling a lot. Uh, I've been all over the place. Um, I think when we last spoke, I'd uh, recently been to uh, 360iDev, which I think was in, in August in, in Denver. Since then, um, I've been to a conference in Wales in the UK. I've been to a conference in Bangalore in India. Um, I've been over here in, in California for three weeks, starting a new contract with a new uh, with a client. Um, I've you know I'm back here in California now a few weeks later. Um, so I've been going to a lot of conferences and in, in, in traveling a lot and running up a whole bunch of air miles. And uh, that's a uh, you know one of the reasons we've not recorded. But it's been great fun hanging out at different conferences in different parts of the world, very different style conferences, different price level conferences, uh, meeting a lot of people. And um, it's been cool. I mean, I said at the end of last year I was going to speak and attend more conferences this year because I've not done it for a while, having been done at this conference. I think I've done a few too many this year, and I've got two to go. I'm going to go to... um, Coco Conf in San Jose over this weekend, or half of it anyway. It it starts on a day I'm I'm working at a client, but I'm going to go there. So I've never been to a Coco Conf, so I'm looking forward to that and catching up with people. And then I think in two weeks' time um, I'm going to Amsterdam uh, to speak at the Do iOS conference. Um, in fact, I'm giving the end of day keynote to wrap the conference up. I'm bringing the thing crumbling down around my around my feet. <laughs> it's the it is the plan, but I'm really looking forward to that. It's just a one-day conference, and uh, I've not been to a one-day conference for a very long time. So I'm quite interested to see how it feels. I think there's going to be, you know, something about that says it's going to be great. It's like it's this, like a big punch. It just gets in there and just get on with it. Um, but I'm interested to see how the interactions go on a single day. Um, you have an opening keynote, a closing keynote, all on one day. There are tutorial days on the second day, um, but that you know that's not the conference itself. Uh, so it's going to be really cool. Um, the organizers seem uh, really, really nice and uh, uh, sounds like things are coming together. I think um, we'll put a link in the show notes. It's, it's uh, uh, the conference called Do iOS. I think there are some tickets left. So if you're in Europe, you're in Amsterdam, you yeah, know, come along and, 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 you know, make it a great day. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. And um, I'm going to give my uh, a talk, which I keep adapting through the year and changing stuff as different events happen and different things happen. Uh, on, on called the selfie developer, which is just looking at you know the state of our industry and the and what users want and what engineers want and do they match and don't they match and how much notice should we take of what we're being told compared to what we see um, and that sort of stuff. And I've given it a few times, very different each time in a few places now, but people seem to you know respond to it. So I'm hoping that Amsterdam will respond to it as well and. Um, it's cool, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. But uh, yeah, I think after that, um, I will do less conferences next year. I think I think I would have done nine this year, which is um, quite a lot. So are you all reach? Are you all recharged, John? Yes. Excellent. So so tell me, uh, you've just changed the batteries in your recorder. What's what's your recording setup? What are you using to record? Uh, I actually am using a Tascam field recorder, which I use for recording shows, um, because I find that it uh, it has different modes that uh, work well for 
recording loud music and for rec- you know recording acoustic music or recording voice. And it's portable and it's easy to work with. Um, it's much easier than dealing with a, a condenser mic and a USB you know analog interface and, and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, but it's not nearly as professional as, as that. But no, but you don't want a condenser mic when doing um, it, people when they do podcasts make a mistake of buying condenser mics. But the trouble is. You know, a condenser mic is great if when you're in a, a studio with a controlled sound environment. Um, but condenser mics just, you know, will pick up everything around them. And, you know, that's what they're there for. That's the that's their job. That's why they're used um, in things like, you know, they, they hang over drum kits for, for cymbals and stuff. So they pick up the whole range of stuff. Um, but, you know, for a podcast, you want a good dynamic mic, which only uh, takes what's ever exactly in front of it, because that gives you far more noise reduction but there we go but uh cool i don't know why i asked i was just, I was just interested maybe somebody out there is so john we've we've had new laptops now we've had a uh, uh dub dub you know back in the summer we've had xcode 8 and 8.1 gm ship um you know so, so now in theory it's the quiet time through now till next summer uh, we may get, I guess, some spring announcements of some iPads or something. I don't know. Um, but, you know, we don't get new iOS or new OS ten. sorry, Mac OS up there. So, you know, do you, what's what's your plan for the for the next six months? How are you going to fill your life or, or help other developers fill their lives um, when there there is nothing to, you know, no betas, nothing to really get excited about that's new anymore? Uh, well, I think every developer should realize that the gating factor is not what Apple does, it's what you do. And uh, I think it's time to, you know, if this is a quiet lull and, and, and APIs have settled, I, I will say that the the churn with Xcode 8 was significant. Um, it, uh, you know, the, the, the zip files alone, you know, you open it up and immediately ask you to, to choose a device, which is great, it's wonderful, so much better, but then immediately you run into problems if your build machine uses Xcode 7 or somebody else is using Xcode 7 for whatever reason. Um, so, but, you know, that churn is through now. Uh, everybody can happily move to Xcode 8. They can use the new APIs. And now is the time to be able to to solve actual problems for your customers None of whom, or precious, vanishingly few, could care less about the the the, the movements of Apple. They only care about your product, uh, as they you know people only care about what's in front of them. They are they are like condenser microphones in terms of of uh, uh, you know I guess like uh, dynamic microphones, whatever. <laughs> I'm twisting the analogy, but they care about what's in front of them right there. So take advantage of the lull and and find areas of your app to polish things that that are not sexy, but that uh, will have a big impact. Is there something rubbing against your mic? It might be because I can just hear this this thing. I mean, I think you're. It's uh, uh, yes. It's it. I'm also using headphones with a headset to be able to talk to you on Skype. So ah, uh, okay, right. But that's not what we're recording. That's fine. Okay, I will cut that bit out as well. Yeah, I think yeah. So maybe what we're actually moving into now is what we we shall know as the season of productivity. Indeed. As um, you know, we should all have been over the excitement of the summer. Everything that was beta, um, it does feel you know the whole Swift three thing has been quite a big thing this time round. Um, and I think lots of people are still have, have moved to two point three and not to three yet. It's going to be interesting by the time we hit Swift four, maybe next summer, 
how many people have actually gone to Swift 3 or whether it's on, you know, Swift 2.3 is still like the de facto because that will that'll be an interesting uh, move. It'll be interesting to see how much further Swift has progressed during this year now over uh, Objective-C um, as, as in use as opposed to ability. Um, so, yeah, so I think we're in we're in an interesting time. Um, I think on the whole, Xcode 8 is a, is a good good release of Xcode. Um, I, I think there is definitely a in, in Apple's developer tools. There's definitely a a sort of a, it definitely definitely encourage you to move on quickly. Shall we say the fact that they own you know they don't ship older SDKs in in any version of Xcode anymore. You have to you know run the old version of Xcode in order to run an older SDK. Now the fact that we can run Xcode you know different versions side by side i guess that's not an issue anymore um but uh you know sometimes you know it'd be nice to build against 10 point you know build properly against uh, 10 points you know 10 for example while using xcode 8 but uh you know there we go so no so i think yeah it's going to be a a time of settling maybe now swift is what three years old two years old two years old isn't it we'll be three years old by the time we reach the next dub dub um be interested to see what the state of the industry is there. So uh, we will, um, we will sort of, yeah. I guess next week, yeah, with all the stuff where we can begin the WWDC 2017 speculation. Yes, but I'm hoping that we ship a new podcast before uh, Swift Four is released. John, we we should. I, someone did a um, a gist, a GitHub gist the other day of their favorite developer podcast, and we were in there. I'll put a link to it in the show oh. notes. Um, and uh, one of the things that uh, it had was the frequency and it, you know some of them had monthly some of them had you know weekly ours had weekly then in brackets ish <laughs> <laughs> that's good which i thought was being actually incredibly generous <laughs> and totally that's like quarterly ish uh, so talking of being generous john why don't you generously share your contact information with our uh, beloved listener uh, well, <laughs> so you can reach me on the internet as on Twitter as Jembe. That's D J E M B E, like the West African drum. Yeah, and my name is uh, uh, no, my name is Scotty. You, you I get don't know why I decided to tell you that. Uh, but on Twitter, I am Mac Devnet. Um, thanks again for listening. Um, please go give us a review on iTunes and uh, let us know what you think or send us an um, email at feedback at iDeveloper.co. Don't forget, if uh, you leave us a review, it helps people find us and they can share your pain. You do not have to be alone in this. I'm not sure if this new tagline is working or not, but we're going to keep with it. Around. Share the pain. Give us a review. Um, so uh, uh, hopefully we will be back in uh, about a week-ish <laughs> to be with you again. But until next time, you take care. Thank you.